welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Richard and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, welcome to episode 57. How are you going, Rich? You back at home? Back at home in good old Texas, nice and hot. When did you, uh, you left on Sunday after the hackathon, right? That's right. Yeah, DX did a, a hackathon over the weekend. It was actually Microsoft employees, you know, every once in a while we'll get together and spend 24 hours seeing what sort of mischievous things we can create. Yeah, it was interesting because we, we came and visited, me and CJ kind of popped down for a bit on Friday to see what was going on and there seemed to be a lot of Raspberry Pis and IoT devices and... Windows 10 apps being built and so we had to kind of go around and you know encourage a bit of office development as we went around and uh, a few people were quite surprised when we showed them how easy it was to go and build a like a mail add-in in Outlook just with HTML and JavaScript and um, showing them how to get to the calendar APIs you know straight from Visual Studio with that connected service so it was kind of good to evangelize that stuff with our developer evangelists. Yeah there was there was quite a few people that ended up doing uh, office integration in some way. Uh, what I thought was interesting, you know, I know you saw a lot of people doing stuff with IoT. I saw a lot of people doing things with uh, Azure machine learning uh, and using some of the Project Oxford APIs, which are really interesting. There's all kinds of things in there around sentiment analysis and picture detection and things like that. And bringing that together with Office is is pretty creative, the things you can do with it. You know, we're obviously leveraging a number of things with machine learning with things like the Office Graph and Delve. Um, but what some of these developers came up with were, you know, quite interesting. Things like mining your mailbox to find, you know, who are the grumpiest senders that send you email and, you know, doing all kinds of interesting things around that. So it was, it was a cool event. Yeah, there's been some cool things that we've done with like kind of various different IoT stuff that we'll be able to share soon, actually. Um, I think they haven't been open source quite yet. I don't want to reveal it till then, but kind of looping in a lot of this, what you can, the information you can glean out of Office 365 and, and then like kind of mashing that with information you get from other systems and and how that can be useful to you. So it's, it's pretty exciting to see all that come together. It's definitely a buzzword that people seem to overuse, but um, it's nice to actually see some real world scenarios. The sprinkler one was pretty cool. Did they end up finishing that? They did, yeah. So for the listeners, we had one group that was all about uh, wanting to add like modern intelligence into how you water your lawn um, with sprinklers. And so, you know, they had like some calendar integration and, you know, look and see, um, you know, obviously some sensors from an IoT standpoint. So, yeah, there was there was a, a number of, of really interesting things like that. You know, the, the ML stuff's interesting because... In the past, to do anything really around data science, data science, you almost had to be a, have a PHP to do it. And and you know we're doing more and more. Did you just say PHP and try a PhD? I think you may have done. You've been writing too much PHP this week. I have. That's a little sneak into <laughs> some other things we're doing this week. But, but yes, I did mean PhD. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you you need a, a PHP and a um, an, I'm trying to think of something that would replace MBA. So anyway, I'm I'm not fast on my feet as you are. So so this week's been pretty. I mean, the week just gone. Windows 10 launch and all, all that. There was some nice bits around Office mobile apps hitting general availability as part of Windows 10. So that was pretty cool. Like if you're under 10 inches in your screen size. 
then essentially it's free. If you're over 10 inches, you need it's freemium. You get the premium version if you log in with Office 365 with it. Are you, are you using the mobile Office mobile versions rather than the Office desktop at all? You know, I would say the only one that I'm I'm really using these days is Outlook. So I'm using the modern Outlook for certain devices. But, um, you know, I would say my primary machine, I'm kind of in a, a bit of a habit in terms of how I, how I leverage it. So if I'm using Excel, you know, I'm kind of used to using desktop Excel. But, uh, you know, they've certainly made it more you know, touch friendly and, and a lot of design around making it be responsive so that it works both in kind of our continuum vision to where you can switch between devices. So I think there's a lot of cool things to come with it. But for now, the main one I've been leveraging is the Outlook app. Yeah, I, I've been using it on my Surface just as a quick preview. Like it's so quick to open those things. And I prefer it to a browser because you get a little bit more touch friendliness with it. So that's pretty cool to see like the feature sets there. And obviously we'll add... Office add-in support, kind of the early part of next year, I believe, is the schedule right now, calendar year. So that'd be pretty cool to kind of have add-ins supported across that Windows desktop and iPad, Android browser as well. And then the other one that we, uh, from a blogging perspective, the Visual Studio 2015 had shipped a few weeks prior to Windows 10. There was actually an update that came out for Visual Studio 2015 that now supports building Windows 10 applications and that includes the ad connected service capabilities where you can start connecting to office 365 apis from from within those windows 10 apps so uh, for those guys that are maybe hanging on to the release candidate where it seemed to work i know you've done a fair bit of work there rich with your the rc and windows 10 uwa stuff right yeah in fact um we're i i will make a an audio commitment right now that by next week i'll have a blog on this is we're actually supporting a new type of authentication um, in Windows 10 UAP apps. It's instead of using like a traditional what we call a web account or a web authentication broker, um, we have something called a web account manager, which is kind of neat. It's it's kind of abstracted away to where it supports kind of a plug-in model. So imagine you were building a, a, a modern application that you wanted maybe Facebook login, maybe Twitter login, maybe Office 365 login. It it basically handles all of that and it's really becoming a first class citizen in Visual Studio 2015 with the new Windows 10 app. So there's not really any documentation other than I know Chax had a session at build on this, but um, hopefully I will I'll commit right now that I'll I'll get a blog post out in the next week on it. So cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah now that Shax has kind of gone over to the dark side of engineering with SharePoint, although is very light and bright. There's a lot of noise now that Jeff Teeper's kind of come back into that fold. Um, he's kind of not investing any of his blog posts in the API stuff. So it's a bit of a shame because he was churning away on the ad connected server bits and pieces. No one's really picked up that realm. So it'd be good to, for you to get that post out there. Cool. And I just noticed one as well. Skype um, just announced today. So Monday, you were listening to this on Thursday. So August the 3rd, that um, now you can get three video or voice calls with Skype for Web or Skype for Outlook.com for up to 25 people. Previously, that was a premium feature. Um, so that's pretty cool that we've just announced that and kind of encourage people to have group calls. I, for one, definitely use this a lot for um, speaking to my family back in Australia and back in England and occasionally get the whole family on one call, um, you know, brothers and mum and dad sitting there with their iPads and whatnot. So that's pretty cool now. That's free, not just for people with premium subs of Skype too. 
which is nice. And then the other one that I've been working on is these snack demo videos. They've not been getting as many hits as I thought they would, but um, I think over time they'll kind of they'll creep up. Essentially, these are these videos that kind of demonstrate Office add-ins, SharePoint add-ins, and standalone web apps that kind of highlight the value of integrating into our platform. But it's really a video demonstrating the end use. So just to kind of get developers across what kind of things people are doing, but also allowing kind of business users to go and just check out what are available as well. So we've got a few in there, MailChimp and Wikipedia and Bing Maps and LinkedIn. And I'm going to add a bunch more this week as well as I get time to kind of carve out some quiet time in my calendar to screen record these things and get them out there. Um, so if ISVs, they're in the store or they're not in the store, but they have kind of integration via the APIs, please ping me on at jthake on Twitter or jump on the Yammer group and reach out to me there. Just at mention my name and um, we can go from there with that. So that's hopefully going to help people to understand what is possible without having to spend time downloading samples and getting those things running. Yeah, this is one too that um, I know we've had a lot of talk internally on, you know, I think it's great being able to go and quickly see the, um, you know, kind of the art of the possible with with Office extensibility. And I know if anyone's had a chance to see one of uh, Jeremy and Rob Leffert's sessions where they kind of do the, it's like the, the demo power hour, um, you know, it's really great at seeing all those scenarios. And we're also looking to, provide um, some of those common scenarios that are pretty popular that, you know, for instance, LinkedIn, it's in a way, it's kind of a social CRM app where you're looking at all your professional networks, but we're looking to have actual code samples. It's not going to be LinkedIn's code, but you'll see a sample code of how you might be able to go do a lookup of a contact and be able to do more around that. And so that's something to look forward to in the next uh, few weeks. Yeah, because there are common scenarios and, you know, it's not just LinkedIn, there's plenty of other CRM or contact association type services that, you know, if we can build a generic sample of it, they can grab them and go with it, right? Yep. That's the idea. Cool. And then um, Andrew Connell wrote an article for, not on his blog, andrewconnell.com, but on uh, SD Times, which is a magazine that's kind of represented by the same guys that run SB TechCon conferences about souping up Office 365. And um, it's a really good article. Um, it's something he's talked about a fair bit on the Microsoft Cloud show that he does with Chris Johnson, CJ, in our team. And um, it really highlights all of the um, the bits and pieces around the store and his thoughts on you know the power of that and the opportunities and the different ways you can build on the platform. And it kind of breaks it down in a nice, easy-to-digest way. Um, so it's definitely worth a read of that article around kind of like Azure AD and Office add-ins and standalone web apps and SharePoint add-ins, etc. So it's a good little highlight as he goes around traveling at conferences and how he, how he presents it, but written down in an article form. And then Michael Koger, who reached out to me and said, you know, check out my blog. If there's anything interesting, feel free to tweet. He's got this one around creating our first SharePoint 2013 hosted app with an image slider there. Um, so it's worth checking out. And another person who's been blogging a lot around Office web add-ins uh, is Cindy Meister and um, she's done a great job about really if you're a VBA developer or you're looking to understand what how to do Word Office add-in development certainly worth checking out her articles um, she's plugging through thick and fast I think as she's learning herself 
how to do these things coming from this experience of VBA. And it's really interesting to understand her journey as she goes through there too. You know, it's funny. It's great to see some of the, the office developers getting pretty active in the, the blogosphere. It's when, I, when I've worked in, in DX with just kind of pure developers, a lot of times, you know, as much as we like developers to leverage things like APIs and maybe build an add-in, a lot of times where they're falling on is is some of the, like the the pure like word integration scenarios that ultimately kind of end up being towards like the open XML SDK. But you know, I still have a lot of people coming to me saying, should I use word interop services and different things like that? And so it's good to have a you know see such great content being put out in that space. Yeah, was there any others you found this week, Rich, that you've caught your eye? This is a a really uh, a really cool one, Stevan. Iskins? Is that how you say his name? Uh, you're asking me. I'm terrible at presenting names, but I suspect that's Stefan Eskin or something. I don't know. It's something outside of the US territories for sure. So I've been on a, a few threads um, with him and some of the Yammer engineers. Um, you know, for the listeners, I, I've done played a, quite a bit around social APIs and including Yammer. And so Stefan. Um, has done uh, a decent amount of Office uh, integration with the Yammer APIs as well. Um, and he did a, a post here about actually doing that now that Yammer is something that can be secured by Azure Active Directory. So, you know, before there's these different models that Yammer could fall underneath. It could actually have its own username and password. You could do, um, it actually at one point had its own kind of user sync. And now it's really kind of fallen under the full Azure AD authentication. And so he has a good blog post here. And this was both him, he and, and myself and one of the uh, Yammer engineers were on a, a pretty long thread in Yammer of all places, kind of talking about getting this working. Um, and so uh, he's got a good post here that kind of talks through how to actually go about connecting that. Yeah, on a similar thread as well, Matthias Ening from SPCath um, is obviously in a blogging churn at the moment too. And he was writing about building an Office add-in that used the JS libraries to connect to the unified API. Um, it's a really nice article because what he's done is he's got lots of screenshots and visuals to show you how easy it is to go through and build those things. So um, it's nice to see Matthias kind of stepping out of the comfort zone of being the SharePoint dev that he um, has been you know, respected for for a long time and have a check out of these Office add-ins. I think we're only going to see more momentum along those lines as customers and end users kind of are asking for more kind of integration directly into our user interfaces across across like Office, including like Outlook, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, and soon, very soon, uh, OneNote as well from a an extension perspective. Yeah, and on the OneNote front, there was a, a good post this week by Garima Agrawal, who kind of posted around actually doing some of that OneNote integration using Azure AD as the authentication source. So, you know, the OneNote APIs have been around for a while with um, consumer endpoints where you could use an MSA account and go and, and interact with notebooks and things like that. And at Build, we announced that the same endpoints could be used with tokens from Azure Active Directory. In fact, um, I helped build uh, an app for do.com for the for the build conference that did some of that where you could export agendas and so um, you know she wrote a good post here about 
um, actually creating an application that consumes those OneNote APIs using Azure AD. So um, another good first example out there that kind of shows the end-to-end -end of how to do it. Yeah, there was one gotcha to that which stumped me and I jumped in a few of my tenants and was getting a bit frustrated I couldn't see it. But in the management portal for Azure, when you look to create your application and you select your application permissions, you, know, you see SharePoint Online, Exchange Online, and you see the Unified API and Yammer, but you don't see OneNote in there. And that OneNote will only appear as an application permission once you've gone into OneNote.com and actually authenticated in with your Azure AD um, token. Once you've done that, it'll immediately show inside of your Azure management portal as a permission that you can select. Uh, so that was something that caught, caught us out this week as we're about ready to ship the property manager uh, hero that we showed at Build and Ignite. Uh, we've been working really hard with engineering. It's really caught a lot of the issues we have in our preview APIs because it's kind of calling everything. Like we're calling OneNote, we're calling the video portal. It's doing a hell of a lot of stuff with the groups API, doing a bunch of stuff with the files API. Um, we're doing stuff with Yammer and the Office Graph. Like it's a really nice business scenario that really shows the power of you know leveraging all the moving parts of the platform. Um, it, V1 was very tied to SharePoint and just being a presentation layer, but uh, now we're you know we're using a lot of these new video portals and OneNote, and it really does make you realize that you know building on top of SharePoint is a, quite a myopic view if you are using Office 365 when you've got so many other cool things that you can leverage in your solutions. So we've got like an hour long presentation of you know the theory of that and how to get started with it. And uh, we're going to be breaking it up into a course of different modules so that we'll walk through how to, you know, from zero in your project, create the Cordova demo, the Xamarin demo, the iOS native and the Android native, as well as the standalone ASP.NET MVC web app as well. So it's a really meaty bit of code sample there that, uh, you, you know, you can go in and jump and see in the, the controllers and the services exactly how we're calling the APIs and just beg, borrow, and steal, basically, and put them in your own project. So sometimes people prefer that kind of thing to be able to kind of get a good idea of a, a nice patterned approach to an end solution rather than code snippets in MSDN documentation or, you know, granular code samples that do one thing. This is really built out as if it was going to be shipped in real life to a customer. So it's nice to see something that large at scale being done. Very similar to what the Patterns and Practices team did with site collection, provisioning scenarios that are available at dev.office.com slash PNP. So definitely go check out Property Manager. Uh, we're hoping to, well, the, the GitHub repo has been lifted and um, is available now. And uh, we also have now dev.office.com slash blogs. So you're going to see a lot more technical blogging coming from us. We uh, made a stand about 18 months ago now that we would put all our blogs on blogs.office.com and kind of kill off all these little SharePoint team blogs and Exchange team blogs and OneNote team blogs because it was just hard for people to keep up. But unfortunately, blogs.office.com is, is a broader audience than just development. And so we could only really do kind of major announcements and themes on there. And so now with dev.office.com slash blogs, we are going to be doing a lot more of what we used to do prior to that decision. And it was all based on feedback from you guys that you felt like we were missing out on you know sharing some stuff. And I know, Rich, you've post stuff on your own personal blog and so do I and so does Vessa 
and so was shacks. But from now on, I think it'd be nice to kind of have something in a central place that people can find easily and cross post to that on dev.office.com as well. Cool. Sweet. Well, uh, we've got a good show this week with Jim, who's in our team, uh, talking about the App Awards that happened at Worldwide Partner Conference. And um, I hope you enjoy the show. And if there's anybody out there who's got questions, jump on our Yammer group in the show notes and um, ask away. We've got some nice stuff coming up to align with some announcements we're making as well. So I'm excited about the next few shows that are flying through. And uh, have a good week, Rich, and um, I'll see you next week. Yep. Okay, it's only taken 57 shows to get you on the podcast, Jim, but welcome, mate. So um, for those of you who don't know who Jim is, who is Jim? Jim is a colleague of Jeremy's on the Office Developer Ecosystem team, and I focus on go-to-market efforts, everything from the Office Store to some of the onboarding programs like the NDA Preview Program, Cloud Storage Program, and essentially try to help developers um, transform their business from a traditional on-premises, build once, and uh, transfer the IP to more of a build once, sell many cloud app model. Cool. So team awesome. Yeah, team awesome. Hashtag. Um, <laughs> I've, uh, I've been uh, at Microsoft for about nine years. I started out in hardware uh, back in the days when there was a hardware business separate from Windows and moved on to office uh, business planning, and, uh, and then we got really excited about the whole go-to-market model for third-party solutions, and so have been with the, the technical marketing team uh, for about the last year. So what what kettles and cords were you shipping in the hardware side of the business? Um, webcams. I also worked on this crazy, complicated, um, late and activated um, uh, keyboard that never shipped. And uh, essentially worked on all the uh, PC peripherals. All right. And, yeah. Moved on when it became clear that, that was going to be folded into the Windows team and Surface was going to become the new focus. So I decided to move over to the software side. Cool. That's cool. So how long have you been at Microsoft in total? About almost nine years. It'll be nine years in September. So you'll get your the bigger crystal in a year's time. Yes. No crystal this year. I quite like the idea of the crystals because when we do get the sunlight and people put them in their windows... It does tend to burn things wherever the crystal is. <laughs> it does. And if you drop them on your foot, it'll break it. So Yeah, so apparently, have you witnessed anyone dropping one yet? I have seen one drop. It's quite catastrophic. <laughs> Shattering everywhere. Gnashing of teeth, lots of crying. It's not pretty. I, I like the fact that when people leave Microsoft, usually it's like either after five or ten seems to be the times when people like walk out the door. And they leave them in their office. I think they're actually quite nice things to kind of take as a memento, but... People get bitter, I guess. They are nice, but you need a hand truck to move them because they're so heavy. <laughs> Do you take them home, Jeremy? Put them like on the mantle in the new house? No, no, no. My actually, my MVP award is in the office here, but um, it was at home before I got the job here. But I just kind of like the. It makes more sense being in the office because people go, "Oh, you're one of those guys." <laughs> so you have a little shrine that's like your MVP award, a couple of T-ball medals from. Growing up and yeah, that's right. My kickball efforts. Maybe some cricket. Actually, I'm I'm starting in a kickball league tonight, and I have zero clue what kickball even is, apart from what I can guess, which is someone's going to throw a ball at me, and I've got to kick it. That pretty much sums up the game right there. Okay, it's like baseball with your feet, man. I will give you an update next week on whether we win or not. Can't wait. I suspect there will be a few beers drank. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we had the worldwide partner conference a few weeks ago now. Mm -hmm. um, what is the Worldwide Partner Conference or WPC for those that maybe aren't an ISV and don't have this as like their a, a huge calendar event? 
when they're a Microsoft partner? Sure. It is an annual event. It tends to happen in really hot places when everybody else wants to go. So because <laughs> because it requires a reservation of eight or 10,000 rooms, it's one of the biggest conferences Microsoft puts on worldwide. And it's really for our entire partner ecosystem, the resellers, systems integrators. There's actually quite a few developers who go. It's about a 20 to 30% this year. We're either an ISV or a systems integrator. So it isn't just for the reselling community, although that is certainly a big part of the motion. Uh, Kevin Turner's org, um, the Microsoft Partner Network, the Worldwide Partner Group, all those folks that earn certifications and, and uh, help help resell our products across not just Office, of course, it's also Windows, Azure, et cetera, uh, and hardware. So yeah, so uh, I was there, I delivered a, a, a session uh, on going to market and essentially monetizing your solutions. And we also had the the uh, Office App Awards, which is the second annual. Right, and so these awards, um, I mean, there's awards that WPC hand out for like Worldwide Partner of the Year for particular different streams, but the App Awards was something that our team decided to do specifically to celebrate the Office Store people, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And not just the store, actually. We, we broadened the eligibility this year to folks that are shipping mobile solutions that um, call Office APIs. Uh, as well as um, Office 365 apps, which at that point were not actually able to be published in the store. Now they are. That happened right around the time of, of, uh, of WPC. But at the time of the judging, there was no way to publish those um, Azure AD registered apps in the store. Um, so we're trying to broaden it and let, get the message out that you don't have to build something on our, you know, necessarily directly on our workloads. It can just be a single sign-on solution that that calls our APIs. Uh, so yeah, so we, we did broaden the categories this year. And and so just to kind of delve into just the categories that talking about who the winners were just right now, like I, just looking at the website here. So if you go to dev.office.com on the left-hand side, you can see the app awards link there, which is dev.office.com slash app dash awards dash winners. Mm -hmm. And um, the categories at the top, do you want to just walk through, maybe not all of them, but just some of the key ones that you think uh, people will be most aware of or is relevant for this the dev crowd? Sure. Well, the the probably the most prestigious, I would say, would be People's Choice because that reflects the cumulative number of categories they were nominated for or considered for, as well as the number of awards they won, and that was Nintex, um, who also, by the way, was the WPG uh, Office and SharePoint uh, Developer of the Year. So they won one of the more conventional WPC awards, as well as being our people's choice in the store. And the reason is they've been with our story from the very beginning. They were one of the first folks to publish an app in the store, a uh, SharePoint solution, and um, have stuck with it and uh, have continued to innovate. They run an Azure. So uh, they're, they're really all in on our model. And they won actually five different awards, firsts and seconds across several categories. So that was one. In terms of the new categories, the best Office 365 solution, that was won by Smartsheet out of Bellevue, Washington, right down the street from uh, Microsoft. Lightweight project management solution laid out in much of, a, like of, a, of an Excel kind of a format. Very easy to use, very visual interface, um, and, uh, and they publish a solution that does also register with Azure AD. And then the other one is uh, Best Mobile App, which again is a non-store solution. And we, we found quite a few interesting solutions on, uh, we scoured the uh, iTunes Store, we looked at uh, Google Apps Marketplace, as well as of course as at the Windows Phone Store. And we found a number of interesting tablet and mobile phone solutions that 
interface or provi provide um, pre presentation layer types of experiences uh, to, uh, to SharePoint uh, or that integrate with various administrative functions in Office 365. And the winner there was a company that probably a lot of people don't know about um, uh, in our world is Mobilia Technologies. They do mobile solutions and they're at Edvelop solution. They have both a, a, an Edvelop and an Envelop solution for, for educational scenarios. Uh, Nintex has an excellent mobile app as well. They got second and then board packs which makes a, uh, a solution for managing board meetings, agendas, all the files attached to various board meetings, one third. So those were three that are not actually conventional store solutions, uh, but they won. Uh, and then moving into the other categories, we had a half dozen or so categories for both SharePoint and then a separate set for Office. So we wanted to you know, compare like to like. So just very quickly, most business value, um, we've discovered a really interesting education solution from um, Kirkness Associates, it's called Casper Pro HR, and it is a it's a um, really beautiful, easy to use, uh, you know, HR uh, human uh, resources solution that runs on top of SharePoint, and then Nintex, which has their workflow solution, tied for first. So that was one of the big awards that they won. In terms of highest performing, um, I, know, I know a lot of people are concerned about the future of InfoPath and what are they going to do when that goes away eventually. And we certainly um, are not at a loss for third-party replacements or substitutes or improvements actually upon InfoPath. And this is an example. Our Divia Rich Forms Pro, which was a European uh, company, um, make a really rich uh, forms-based drag-and-drop, code-free, configuration you know, management-based uh, solution with all sorts of business rules and and you know, value uh, validation tooling, et cetera, in their forms. And they also tie to external databases. It's quite quite an impressive solution. Uh, the engineers were very impressed by that. That was judged by the uh, office engineering team. Uh, they won first place, and Intex was second, and then uh, an education solution from eLearning Force, LMS 365, one third. And one of the great theme themes we saw across both SharePoint and Office add-ins, was quite an interesting collection of education-focused solutions. And this year, there's a big focus on the EDU team to recruit more and you know step up our game on the EDU front. And so it's encouraging to see that uh, quite a few education apps won. Uh, and then to round out the SharePoint winners, uh, best user interface was an expense uh, program called Expense Approval Pro by iVero. The most launched solution was Nintex. And then there was a one-way tie, or two-way tie, I should say, for best international developer. One was iGlobe, which makes a uh, CRM solution. Again, it's a visual interface, drag and drop, uh, very colorful, it's easy to use, kind of a dashboard format. And then Sonia's apps, uh, she has more than 20 actual SharePoint solutions in the in the store uh, for all sorts of scenarios. And, and uh, Sonia, it's actually a woman named Sonia, and uh, she, she has uh, a very rich collection of international solutions in the store. And, multi and those both had to be a foreign developer with uh, multiple language versions of their apps to qualify. Yeah, Sonia Madsen's actually been a really good blogger, actually, in, in actual fact, and posted this week on some kind of wish list things for SharePoint add-ins. Obviously, number one being don't call them add-ins, but unfortunately, that, <laughs> that kind of, that's passed and we're stuck with it. But yeah, some of the other feedback's been great. And we've actually shared that with engineering this week. And they were, it's good for them to get as many data points as possible, especially for someone who's built so many in the store as well. So that's good to see uh, her getting the first place, winning the best international developer. So 
congrats to her and thanks for her for blogging as much as she does as well. That is great. And I was, I was personally gratified. I heard that she um, actually, uh, the, uh, the award slipped out of her hands and fell on the floor at the uh, event in Orlando and it didn't break. So Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So they're durable. <laughs> they're durable apps or durable solutions, uh, durable awards. Um, and then the, the, um, the last SharePoint award was for broadest international distribution. And by this, we mean, did you localize not only the, your metadata, but also the UI of your app in multiple languages? And um, this one uh, was won by Sidekick uh, 365 by Skylight Systems, a very small company out of California that actually has customers all over the world now. Um, they're getting really great traction because they have made the commitment to localize their solution across multiple countries. And then DocuSign got second, and DocuSign won four awards. They won the second largest pile of, of, uh, of wins um, at the App Awards. Nintex with five, DocuSign with four. And then a Polish company, a Polish vendor called uh, Field.net, won uh, tied for second place with their Time Off Pro solution. So Jim, you, you mentioned a couple times the discovery of some of these apps, uh, especially some of the ones that aren't necessarily in the, the office store. So Maybe you can speak a little bit about the the effort you guys went through. I mean, you, you guys did a lot of discovery, went through and tested like hundreds of apps and, and spent a lot of time and due diligence around um, the finalists and, and the winners of this, right? We did. We did. Yeah, we didn't we didn't just pick them out of a hat for sure. We, we looked at every app that was published in the store between January 1 and May 10th of this year. Uh, and they had to, even to be eligible, they had to meet a quality bar um, as, as established by the validation team. And they do a regular quality assessment of every one that every app that comes through or every add-in, I should say. And, uh, and so to meet that bar, the ones we selected for even being a candidate are, were typically less than 5% of all the solutions in the store. So you, any, any solution we even considered was already uh, a very strong candidate. Um, after that, we then organized them into various categories based on our initial impression of how they performed. And we did demo them. We set up teams of committees across office engineering, office marketing. We had Windows Phone judge the mobile solutions. So it was, it was and then we had UX team, user experience, the, you know, the web designers, they, they uh, judged the best UI. So we had such a matter of experts judging them. And we walked through each one. We either watched either a video of it being demoed or actually did a live demo for the team. We provided a whole bunch of supporting information and then we voted. It was a democratic process. So it was a two-pass process. Uh, one was uh, the quality that it had to meet to begin with. And then we had a, a committee that actually judged them. For ones that were not in the store, like the mobile apps, of course, um, we went straight to a judging panel but I did an initial assessment of them. I, I played with them, made sure that they were responsive, that you know it was easy to understand how to use them, that there was real business value. So yeah, it was it was quite extensive. And, and uh, as you mentioned, there was I believe 120 office store apps, and then probably you know theoretically hundreds of of mobile ones that we at least took a cursory look at, and we excluded anything that was really basic like. Um, you know, uh, an app that would let you render a Word document on another platform. It had to do something really substantial with the, uh, with the Office data. On the Office side, the Office add-ins, there was fewer categories because the SharePoint does represent about two-thirds of the solutions in the store, so we had more SharePoint categories. So there were, I guess, six categories. Uh, one was most business value, and uh, first place there was DocuSign. A very high value scenario, you know, very broadly used across uh, across 
the world, and it's heavily used in Microsoft as well. They're they're an important player for for internal users at Microsoft. Um, Pick hit me one second for most business value. That's quite an interesting company. It's a it's a little company out of Scandinavia. It was actually incubated by our own um, developer ecosystem, uh, developed our DX team, and uh, build a solution that lets you insert images into Word and uh, PowerPoint files. And um, actually is now a default image vendor as well for our Sway product, the new Sway product. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, they're getting they're getting hundreds of thousands of hits every month, um, and they're expanding their solution. They're releasing a new version, and they're looking to do big things with, with uh, PowerPoint in the coming year. And then third place was a company that no one really knew about, uh, Mentimeter, very small. Uh, so small that they didn't have anyone going to the uh, Worldwide Partner Conference. So we had to congratulate them by long distance, and we're going to be sending them our award through the mail. But um, there are some, if you're familiar with um, Poll Everywhere, it's kind of a similar space. They provide real-time live polling um, over your cell phone or on a website and build all sorts of interesting graphs and charts and analytics as a result of, of real-time voting, uh, which is great for educational scenarios, for live presentations before a live audience, that kind of thing. Highest performing solution, meaning extremely robust and uh, you know very well designed and responsive, was another surprise, a company called Fluidity Software and their product Fluid Math. And what that lets you do is it lets you draw a physics, math, or other scientific formula on a, on a, in, in a document. And just through a couple of um, finger strokes, you have to just um, essentially have a gesture-based signal to the application that, okay, I want the result. It will chart or graph your formula, like a parabola or a, or a mathematical equation or, again, a physics equation. Uh, so that's it's a great learning tool. And uh, they were very surprised to win as well because they're a very small company. But that's another great educational scenario. Yeah, that one's cool. I like demoing that one as well. It's super easy to demo. Showing off my really terrible math skills. <laughs> yes, you can you can uh, prove the Pythagorean theorem right there on, on stage. Um, and then DocuSign got second. And Smartsheet also captured uh, third place for highest performing. Best user interface, Mentimeter, who I just described, the, the polling software, people really loved how easy it was to use, and they would do cute little things like when you have a poll and someone wins, it, it pops a little trophy on the top column, um, so it's it's kind of even has a, a playful interaction model. Uh, DocuSign got second, and then PickHitMe and Smartsheet tied for third, so those are, again, multiple winners. PickHitMe was also a multiple winner. For uh, most launched, Bullhorn for email, which is a, a solution, uh, obviously, for uh, to help uh, enhance your email experience. Uh, that was the most launched solution during the time period. Uh, best international developer. And then now we're getting... Oh, sorry, Jill, on that one, we're the most launched. So people probably aren't aware, but there's a lot of metrics that we're looking at not just for these awards, but from an engineering perspective to see kind of growth and usage in these apps, much like we look at the usage of Office 365 in our own workloads. And it's been really amazing to see the charts that go all the way up to kind of the such a level now in terms of like that data that we're showing, not just for kind of workloads, but you know that the, how the partners are doing on top of our things too. And the Bullhorn one was definitely an interesting one to see that so high up that list from an office add-in. And obviously, I, it's probably no surprise that Nintex launches were high from a SharePoint add-in side of the house as well. But what other metrics do we track that the 
We, I mean, we call them OMEC around, around uh, the store to kind of measure the health and the growth of the store. Sure. We, we, the, there is a whole um, analytics dashboard that the team in Ireland maintains, and they look at everything from, from uh, the length of time it takes to validate an app, and that's down to about 1.3 days from start to finish. So they've gotten, even though they put the apps through quite an extensive amount of vetting, um, both qualitative and quantitative, they can get a solution into the, the catalog pretty quickly as long as the developer follows the instructions. They look at number of active solutions on the site, number of free versus paid. They look at the number of active developers. They look at total downloads. They look at the, the profile of downloads uh, in terms of what kinds of solutions are getting downloaded the most. They look at the distribution of solutions across different storefronts because there's now 60 different storefronts worldwide. So a developer can opt to publish in one to many markets. And so they're very intent this year on beefing up the number of solutions in, let's say, China or Germany or France and not just having it be a U.S.-centric or English-language-centric story. So those are some of the examples. Uh, they look at conversions from um, trial to paid. So they're also looking at e-commerce uh, and uh, activation and usage metrics as well. Yeah, that's cool. That makes a. It's just interesting. Like the more and more we share on on these things and how we're kind of looking there. I think the big one for me, which surprised me when I first joined, was how popular we are on the SharePoint add-ins over the the Office add-ins. And I think. What do you reckon, Rich? I, I got a gut feel that's going to swing this year by the end of next year. Yeah, I, I think it, it. I kind of get the feeling it already has in a lot of ways, um, especially with um, you know some of the more complete things we're going to be doing around office extensibility towards the end of the calendar year. Yeah, with the Word and the Excel add-in and kind of enhancements coming, I think that'll open up a, a bunch more scenarios that just aren't you can't do right now in the current version. And then I think as we start mapping with Mac office support and Android office support with add-ins. I think that will just start growing our user bases now. Awareness, I think, that the end users will have of these add-ins being available in the store will get a lot bigger as well. I was just going to say that um, the the layout that you guys have for these awards out on dev.office.com, it's it's really nice because it it has direct links into the app, so you can kind of go through, check them out, and and even go kind of test drive it yourself directly off that award listing. So it's really nicely how you guys put it together. Yeah, we have to give a little shout out to Sonia on our team for she uh, put that together in record time. And, and speaking of featuring the solutions, uh, of the, we're not done. You know, we're, there were some prizes handed out at the event in, uh, in Orlando, WPC. Uh, they'll be getting additional swag and, and prizes uh, through the mail in the coming days. Um, but we also plan to merchandise these winning solutions. And even uh, we're looking at things like creating a special category of winners or um, applying badges to the actual listing so that future visitors to the store can see, oh, this is an award-winning solution, which we think will help really drive traffic. And, you know, we want to make this a meaningful award that that uh, that the ISVs find of value. And we're noticing that a lot of them on their own uh, websites, they're very proudly posting the, the, the iconic red uh, trophy cup uh, that's become the App Awards uh, symbol, the, the logo, um, on their own pages. So they, they, they're getting some bragging rights that they find valuable to talk about on their own pages. So I just wanted to make sure that I did not forget our Microsoft Project partners. We don't have a ton of solutions in the store. It's a fairly, you know, it's a focused vertical type of solution, but the ones that we do have are extremely high value and they actually command pretty good prices because 
they really fulfill a very uh, robust need. And so two folks were recognized there. One was Campana and Schott IT Solutions for their um, CS Milestone Trend Analysis Solution, which gives you a quick snapshot of all the milestones on a project. And it helps and it pre- presents them in a chart type of format. So you can quickly see which of your projects are falling behind schedule and which of those are on track. And then finally, um, Sensei, which is uh, Sensei Project Solutions, which has been a multiple award winner in the past. And last year, they also did well. They have several solutions in the store. And their Sensei Portfolio Dashboard Solution won first prize for most business value. Campana and Shot was best international developer. And um, the Sensei Solution essentially presents you with a dashboard snapshot of all the different events going on with your project so you can get a quick glanceable status report on what's going on. So they're both uh, essentially um, helpers for visibility and uh, and tracking for your various projects. So, uh, you know, I, the question I get a lot, and, and obviously, you know, SharePoint, again, going back to SharePoint being the most popular one, the ecosystem has probably been boomed the most out of all, all of the office products that we have that have an extensibility story. And, you know, obviously that's been around for a long time. And as people are aware, I was at Avpoint for a long time uh, where we were building products on top of, you know, SharePoint Server 20, 2007, 2010, 2013. And obviously a lot of these ISVs will be targeting 2016 with farm solutions. But one question I get a lot, Jim, is what, what would be the advantage of me going and rather than kind of continuing in our comfort zone on farm solutions in looking to re-architect as uh, a SharePoint add-in so I could be in the store or, or likewise if I'm a office developer where I've got my VSTO add-in, uh, if I did decide to change that so it was an office add-in so it was available in the store as well, like what benefits are these ISVs going to get from having being in the store as opposed to kind of using their own website and um, marketing to uh, for customers to download their, their add-ins? Oh, quite a bit. I mean, for, for one thing, they get some marketing love from us. So they get uh, merchandising. This year, we're going out with a much more aggressive program. Uh, we're going to start an app of the week program where we'll have little videos. We actually have a customer evidence site called betterwithoffice.com where we're telling the stories of how valuable customers find um, extending their 365 solution with uh, third-party add-ins and and third-party apps. So that really sells the story of how uh, these two solutions together are much more powerful. And then just the fact that Office 365 itself is becoming such a a power horse. Uh, uh, We're over 50 million commercial users or uh, active customer seats. Um, and then, of course, we have another 13 million plus on the consumer side. But with the new invention of the app launcher and the fact that any solution that registers with Azure AD, they can show up in the app launcher. And, and SharePoint solutions actually um, can also be managed there, too, if they're installed in a certain way. That, that essentially exposes millions and millions of people, potentially, to third-party solutions. And when they're installed in, uh, in my apps... That's something that customers will see every single day because that's where you go to start your day to launch email or look at your SharePoint sites or use Delve or, or you know Link or Yammer or whatever. And right alongside those first-party solutions that Microsoft builds, you'll see all your third-party solutions as well. And so it's a great way to make your solution much more sticky and much more visible across a tenancy. And you build once and it can be installed many times 
uh, you know, in a multi-tenant environment. So it definitely is a little bit different of an engineering model uh, for multi-tenancy and using cloud-based uh, technologies, but it does give you access to this 50 million plus user base that's doubling roughly every year. So you can imagine in two, three, four years time, if you're really sort of skating to where the puck's going, um, that's where we'll have hundreds of millions of users. And so you don't want to be, you know, not not visible in that in that space. Right. And a lot of our attention, like you say, is around the the what we do with the store and not necessarily on the ISVs that are focused purely on kind of SharePoint server or the traditional com add-ins. Uh, you know, we are kind of giving more preference to ISVs that are, um, you know, looking to do things with the add-in model from that perspective as well. Yes, definitely. That's that's where the focus is. And a lot of the uh, the other questions I get, Rich, is, you know, from your perspective in DX, how you align with that. So do you want to quickly explain, like, from a DX side, Rich, how you work with Jim and uh, from the store and, and, and if there's an ISV out there that, you know, needs help in go-to-market, how they can reach out from that aspect? Yeah, you know, uh, at Microsoft, regardless if we're talking ISVs or if we're talking, you know, normal enterprise customers, we we tend to kind of organize them by size. Um, and so we have what we call our big global ISVs, which are, you know, ISVs that might be all around the world. They have a presence everywhere and, you know, build software on on our platform all the way down to little startups. And, and every tier of that has different kind of engagement with Microsoft. And so, um, you know, really what we try to do, depending on the different levels, is try to help ISVs really hone in on what are ways that they could strategically leverage our services. And then from there, go all the way through kind of helping them go through the development cycles and get something published. So, you know, I would say... DX uh, is is really focused on getting developers all the way from that vision all the way to the point where they have an app that's that's shipped um, e- either in you know the the office store or you know another marketplace if we're talking things like maybe a mobile application. Yeah, because more broadly, DX look after Windows and Azure and other uh, IoT and a bunch of a strategy kind of areas of the stores too, right? That's right. I mean, I, I like to, we're kind of the platform people. We were anywhere that there's a, a developer platform for, you know, developers to work in. Um, that's typically where, where we kind of work. So um, actually I had a question for you, Jim, you know, around, you mentioned a little bit around, you know, obviously the app launcher is certainly going to open up, uh, you know, the, the world for all kinds of new apps to have visibility inside of, the Office 365 experience. Are, do you guys have any plans specifically around maybe maybe some of the mobile apps? To me, that's kind of an interesting facet because I wouldn't even know where to begin to go find applications that might connect into uh, our services. Is that something that's on um, your guys' radar to try to have some sort of directory of in the, in the future? I would say it definitely is on the radar. The question of when is still a little bit of an open question, to be perfectly honest. Uh, there is a plan to consolidate, and this will be great news for developers, I'm sure, uh, to consolidate all the Microsoft-wide stores into a single universal store backend uh, sometime in calendar year 2016. And what that means is a single submission pipeline, no longer a separate path for submitting a Windows app, a phone app, an Azure app, an Office app, and a single catalog. And what that then lets them do is wire up 
all the other plumbing, the, the order management and billing APIs, the commerce APIs, to a single uh, set of, of solutions, which makes everything that, uh, that the teams do for one type of, of app, whether it's Windows or mobile or Office, accrue to the benefit of every other one. So at that point, when there is a universal catalog, I expect you'll see a lot more ability to cross-market. Uh, so if, for example, DocuSign or Nintex has a mobile solution, they'll be able to point to it and cross-reference it. And exactly how that's going to work, though, we don't quite yet know because we do know that the store as it currently exists will be migrating to that platform. And so um, to some extent, we don't want to engineer a bunch of new features that have to be reworked again anyway when, uh, when the Universal Store comes along. In the meantime, though, there is work on the Windows team side to build a business-to-business store, which I think is actually scheduled to come out before the end of the year. And they've talked about that to some extent at some of the, the events like WPC and whatnot. And when that happens, you may see some additional uh, effort to, to, to have the two stores sort of point to each other. Again, don't have specifics on that, but they're, they're, to answer your question most directly, absolutely, the mobile story will be part of it eventually, uh, exactly when it's still TBD. Yeah, I think with the Windows 10 launch uh, this week, the or last week, but the the store is definitely way more prominent now than it was in Win 8. Uh, I think, you know, the start menu coming back and the prominence of, you know, I've just put a brand new VM together here and I can see like mine, Minecraft and Candy Crush and Flipboard and iHeartRadio kind of front and center as pinned plan explore third-party apps while well, Minecraft isn't third-party anymore. But so I think that, that that store awareness will definitely help once we can cross-promote with the Office Store because a lot of people don't realize, for instance, that the SharePoint store even exists or that there is this notion of a store in Office, even though there is, you know, the store logo in the insert tab. So I think we've got a bit of work there to bring those guys front and center. I think some of the things that Windows have done around recently added apps uh, within their start menu, I think will start to kind of flow through as, as Windows learn how the store's working best into the Office side of the house too. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that comes up, Jim, as we've got you on the call, is the this notion of the um, the acronym CSP. Oh, yes. We talked a little bit about that at uh, WPC, but for those of you who aren't aware, is there a kind of a quick intro you can do to that where you can just say what, what where we're currently at and what we've got kind of coming in the pipe for those things? Sure. Well, CSP is one of, I think, 10 channels through which Office is sold. We have a very complex go-to-market story. Um, and it's the newest one, or at least one of the newest ones. It was announced at WPC 2014. And what it was, uh, it, represent, it was a new way to sell Office itself. It was not originally envisioned as a third-party story. And the essential uh, notion of CSP, Cloud Solutions Provider, is that um, our partners did not want to just essentially be the moving company to move you into the tenancy and walk away which was the old model, the advisor model, uh, where they took a commission for setting you up directly, but that was kind of it. Um, CSP uh, assigns the partner a much more central role. They, they actually resell the solution, they take margin, um, they also do all the billing and support. So for anyone who's familiar with our syndication channel, which is mostly global telcos, 
for very small companies, essentially CSP was a much more scalable version of syndication. So our partners actually now own the end customer. They own the relationship and the billing and the support. So the, the, the reason why CSP is of interest is because they built a whole bunch of new tooling on Azure and all the systems to support CSP are using modern technologies. Um, we have a lot of legacy licensing engines that you know, are basically bound in the old on-premises world and have had to kind of been hacked together to work in the cloud. So CSP was brand new, built for the cloud from ground up. And so that's why we see it as the most promising channel, at least initially, to resell third-party solutions. And so right now, um, that's not possible because the, the for various engineering reasons around the commerce APIs, et cetera, order and billing management, the current stores are not engineered on the same stack as the Office 365 reselling engines are. But what we, with the arrival of the Universal Store next year, that issue goes away. And what we would love to engineer informally um, by that point is the ability for a third-party reseller in the CSP program to grab any third-party app, just like they can grab you know, Exchange or SharePoint uh, or any other server-based product, and provision multiple seats on the same stack, through the same billing motion, on the same piece of paper, and present one bill to the end customer. And at that point, the, the reselling component becomes really exciting because now resellers can begin to represent you all over the world, and they can um, uh, begin to sell, you know, very large volumes of seats through their motion, as opposed to, you know, smaller deals on the on directly on the direct store. Do you know where they can find more information on that program? Because one of the questions I got today for an ISV was, what if I if I as a partner sell Office three six five plus, mm-hmm. eventually X Y Z app? What cut do I get of? Office 365, and I'm imagining it's not straightforward as just saying a percentage number, right? I don't have the most current information, so I'm reluctant because I just renounced a whole bunch of new uh, changes to the program at, at WPC that I haven't had a chance to catch up on. I believe last year the margin was was a standard 15%, but I could be wrong. But yes, there are, there are voluminous uh, areas of documentation um, on MPN most prominently because that's the Microsoft Partner Network because that's where these programs are run out of. And also our office channel marketing team under Tanush Bansal um, has a lot of information. So um, I would first start with MPN where I would just um, type in CSP and, uh, and see what kinds of documentation uh, you can find. And I can follow up with, with more specifics for those who are interested. Uh, in terms of how the reseller model would work for third party, that's still very much uh, something we're looking at because you have three people in the room, right? You have the ISV, you have the reseller, and you have us. And so we've done a bunch of research around what kind of margins would be acceptable to all parties concerned. The key thing we want to leave with people is we're not looking at this as a way to make a lot of money. I mean, all we want to do is essentially cover our costs. It's really about lighting up the partner ecosystem and helping our uh, our ISVs sell at volume across the world. So it's more an issue of how much would the reseller need to, to be interested. So we're, we're doing a ton of work on that. We're doing research. We're looking at all the legal and tax issues. Uh, it's a pretty gnarly problem to solve. It's why no one else, not Amazon, not Google, not, not Salesforce, has really tried to tilt up a formal partner reseller program uh, of this kind of magnitude because it's a difficult problem to solve. But we have the best global reseller ecosystem in the world. 
and uh, and we think it'd be really a powerful engine to to drive growth of our partners. So we're we're going to work on it, and uh, when the Universal Store comes along next year, we we hope to be ready. Cool. Was there anything else you wanted to share? I think we've covered everything we planned to talk about today. I don't think so. I mean, I, I think I, I hope through all the things we talked about, whether it's uh, the the uh, BetterWithOffice.com or the App Awards or all the other go to market efforts we're making. Uh, merchandising in the store. I hope it's clear that you know we're we're getting better and better, and we're we're getting more and more uh, mature and programmatic in the way we help our partners go to market, and it's only going to get better. Yeah, that's awesome, and it's really exciting to see the rate of submissions in the Southern dashboard go up every month mm-hmm. as more and more ISVs kind of get the get what's going on and the momentum of what we've got here. Uh, it doesn't take long to flick back through even 18 months ago and the naysayers out there that are starting to see that the the people invested early like Nintex and Avpoint and DocuSign and, and the likes that, you know, that those guys are now seeing the fruits of being in that store and the relationships they invested in early and, you know, some are playing catch up and there's some new ISVs, which I think is the most exciting thing is the ecosystem's growing and there's some really cool ideas floating through now in terms of requesting new things through the preview program for APIs to really unlock. Absolutely. And and what we're seeing too is a lot of ad hoc efforts for the ISVs to collaborate together. So a number of the partners, like you mentioned, DocuSign, they have uh, they have agreements with other ISVs like Fpoint or, or Nintex to cross-sell and uh, to bundle their solutions together. And we have a couple of ISVs, Zero, Insightly, Smartsheet, and, and others, uh, Skykick, who at WPC announced an intent to release a soft bundle of all their products um, uh, paired with a, a reseller, um, and it's not a formula. It's not a formula program through us. We're not. We're not providing the the actual engineering path, but it's a, it's a, essentially a an ad hoc effort for them to go out and do this on their own. And so we're actively supporting them and encouraging them. But it's really an ISV led effort to see if they can put together a channel and a bundle on their own. So we're starting to see some really exciting uh, collaboration among our partners, not just between Microsoft and the partner. Cool. And on a totally random note, Xbox today, Major Nelson's read up a good post of all the kind of announcements, but we announced quite a few things today, but the interesting one was we finally got around to announcing DVR capabilities for free-to-air TV. So my question to you, Jim, is... One, do you have an Xbox? I do not. <laughs> ah, you're not a gamer. I'm not a gamer. Two, do you watch free-to-air TV? I don't believe so. I don't know. Yeah, see, that was the weird bit. Rich, do you watch free-to-air? I, I don't ever watch TV, really. Don't have time for it. You don't get time. You're always coding and working, I know you. <laughs> no, I just struggled. with like I. Well, for one, I don't think my TV is in set up with a reception to even view free-to-air, but because I have cable... I get the channels like HBO and Showtime and USA for my Game of Thrones and Suits and what else am I watching at the minute? Mr. Robot. Are you watching? Oh, you're not watching TV. <laughs> so you should definitely get a, an antenna for over the air during sports season because it's so much higher quality than what you get. I mean, the the cable companies, they end up like kind of cutting corners around the the quality of, of high definition. So, uh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. You definitely have to check out like a real over-the-air HD signal for, for sports. Oh, right. Okay. Noted. Yeah, and no, I just found that quite surprising because, I mean, obviously I know they're probably just avoiding the complications that TiVo have with DVR and cable subscriptions and whatnot. I'm sure they've got huge complex deals with those guys. 
But um, everyone was getting really excited about today, and I was just intrigued on what people are watching over the air. So for those that are on Twitter and Yammer, please share with our hashtags what you watch free over the air, because I'm just intrigued on um, what people are actually doing without having to pay for cable. I know there's a huge debate about cutting the cord, but I can't do it. I need an NHL man. <laughs> NBC Sports, I can't go with my hockey fix, even though we don't have a hockey team here. Yeah. It, it sucks. <laughs> okay, well, Jim, thanks for your time, man. Sure. I always appreciate the laughs inside and outside of work. Absolutely. We were teasing him today, Rich. He walked into a meeting with post-it notes. Sometimes it was the best thing, right? Well, I mean, they, you know, they don't rely on a battery. Exactly. They're not easily lost. They stick to walls, monitors. They don't crash. They don't crash. <laughs> <laughs> they come in yellow and yellow only. Exactly. <laughs> Old school, baby. <laughs> Keeping it real. Keeping it real. Cool. All right, well, thanks again, man, and we'll get you on the show uh, hopefully another time to talk a little bit more about the store and some of the progress we've made there and um, go into a bit more detail about some of these ISVs as well, which would be great. Sounds great. Sweet. All right, well, thanks for jumping on, Rich, and um, we'll catch up soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year three developer tenant to stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastyam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding.